Hi, I'm Rick Barron, your host, and welcome to That's Life, I Swear. Since February of 2022, I've been watching the ongoing war with Ukraine and Russia. Now, when Putin's army stormed in, they looked so polished and just ready to conquer Ukraine in a couple of hours, as they put it. But today, that story is different. The Russian army looks like a ragtag outfit, and not the almighty power the world was worried about. You see, Ukraine is kicking their butts. I'm not saying I feel sorry for Putin, and that I wish him luck with his special military operation. But it's too bad Russia doesn't have the military they once had during World War II, when they were fighting the Germans. There was one group in particular the German troops were just absolutely terrified of. The group comprised of pilots, female pilots, and they were known as the Night Witches. Let's jump into this. I have a deep appreciation for history. We can learn from past mistakes that can serve us as a guide for the future. Now, people throughout history have made many unfortunate choices, such as Putin, when he got this itch that he had to invade Ukraine. He should have researched past Russian battle victories. He might have learned something. That's why I found this bit of World War II history fascinating. It's stories like this that one understands that behind the scenes of more significant events were smaller events that took place that contributed to the bigger picture. During World War II, the Soviet Air Force's 588th 9th Bomber Regiment flew challenging missions bombing Germans with primitive biplanes in the dead of night. The Germans called these Russian pilots night witches because their only warning before the bombs hit was an ominous whooshing sound resembling a witch's broom. So how did the night witches come into being? At the beginning of the war, women were not allowed to participate in combat. They were not thought of as being viable soldiers fit for battle. With that notion, Marina Roskova had a different point of view in mind to dilute that thinking. Marina was the first woman in the Soviet Union to achieve the diploma of professional air navigator. Now She went from a young woman aspired to want to become an opera singer to a military instructor to then become Russia's first female navigator. She started teaching at the Tchaikovsky Air Academy as a first for a woman. She taught both male and female students military navigation. She was a subject of skepticism from many of her male students, but was able to prove herself capable. Marina had a vision to create female combat flying units. She checked her contact book to see who might listen to her idea. One of those contacts just happened to be the man himself, Soviet leader. Joseph Stalin. After several discussions and laying out her plan, Stalin gave her the green light to proceed. Combat facilitated and brought in a reluctant acceptance of women in the military, based more on practicality and necessity than equality. As a result, on October 8, 1941, an order was issued to deploy three women's Air Force units, including the 588th Regiment. The 588th was formed by Raskofa and led by Major Yidokvia Burzhankaya. Boy, now there's a name that doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. Initially, the all-female aviation regiment was not welcomed into the military with open arms. They weren't taken seriously and looked at as 
little girls. Many of the male pilots saw them as inferior and treated them with a lack of respect. Male chauvinism at its worst, even during the time period when the security of Russia was at stake. Since there were no women in combat in the Air Force before, they were given hand-me-down men's uniforms. With regard to other gear, the women pilots improvised by tearing up bedding to stuff into the end of their boots to make them fit properly. Now, due to the lack of funds, they were also deprived of the modern equipment their male counterparts had access to, such as radios, radar, machine guns, and even parachutes. Parachutes. Instead, the females had to use maps, rulers, compasses, stopwatches, and pencils to perform their missions. And if they needed to bail out of their plane, they prayed they were close enough to the ground to survive. During their training, the pilots of the 588th explored various methods to attack the German army from the air. For example, an attack technique of the night bombers involved uh, idling the engine near the target and then gliding it to the bomb release point with only wind noise left to reveal their presence, thus the whoosh sound. When you think about it, the technique was somewhat of an early drone. Due to the bomb's weight and the low flight um, altitude, the pilots did not carry parachutes until 1944. I mean, that was almost before the end of the war. Now talk about a suicide mission, but bravery that their male Russian pilots couldn't match. Their missions were hazardous, when you have to consider how the women were equipped. Most of the recruits in their late teens to mid-twenties and crew members had to learn how to pilot, navigate, and maintain the aircraft to serve the regiment in any capacity. They underwent intensive training to know what usually took several years to master. Unfortunately, during a state of war, time is a rare commodity. As for the planes, the female pilots flew, and knowing the elite German Air Force, it just wasn't a fair fight. The regiment flew in a wood and canvas Polykarpov biplanes, a 1928 design intended for training aircraft, and then usually used for crop dusting. According to records, a tracer bullet could easily cause a plane to burst into flames causing some of the women to refer to their aircraft as a coffin with wings. The plane's top speed was just 90 miles an hour, and the weight of the two bombs and crew they carried meant they had to fly low, and I mean very low. This made the planes very easy targets. That said, with all of those constraints, the women only flew their missions under the cover of darkness. Up to 42-person crews flew out each night to fly between 8 and 18 missions each, They would go out in three groups, with two planes acting as decoys to draw the German searchlights and gun attacks away from the third plane. The small, slow biplane's advantage was maneuverability, so they relied on fancy flying to create a diversion. For example, when the navigator of the third plane tapped the pilot on the shoulder, she would just kill the engine and silently swoop in for the bomb drop. The three planes would each take turns in this manner, until all three planes had dropped their payloads. The night witches flew multiple sorties every night, prolonging the attacks as long as possible to deprive the Germans of sleep. And it worked. The constant attacks turned the Germans into virtual zombies. On top of that, the Germans were just so damn angry when they discovered that the pilots were women. The Germans were so afraid of the night witches that any German who shot one of these planes down 
was automatically awarded the Iron Cross Medal. From June 1942 to October 1943, the Night Witches flew over 23,000 combat sorties or missions, logging over 28,000 flight hours and dropping more than 3,000 tons of bombs and 26,000 flammable shells on Nazi targets. Their bombing raids just wreaked havoc on river crossings, railroads, warehouses, fuel depots, armored cars, and other valuable logistical targets. They also made 155 food and ammunition supply drops to the other Soviet armed forces. By the end of the war, 32 night witches were lost in service. The 588th Regiment was highly decorated. By that I mean of the 89 Soviet women who received the Hero of the Soviet Union Award, the country's highest honor in World War II, 22 were night witches. With what the night witches contributed in the war effort, when the Soviet Union held a massive victory party after the war, they weren't included in the parade. Go figure. So what can we learn from this story? What's the takeaway? While women's roles and rights have continued to grow and evolve across the globe, the Night Witches were instrumental in showing that women are just as capable, if not more, even with minimal support, respect, and equipment, and with all the odds stacked against them. Sure, bring it on. By the war's end, approximately 500,000 women were serving in the Soviet Union combat roles alongside men. The women were excellent snipers. They also operated anti-aircraft artillery, and some even became tank commanders. But the night witches, gliding in the rickety wood plains under the cloak of darkness, well, they gathered the most acclaim of any single group, and they deserved it. What is that saying? I am woman. Hear me roar. Well, there you go. That's life, I swear. For further information regarding the material covered in this episode, I invite you to visit my website that you can find on either Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts for show notes calling out key pieces of content mentioned in the episode transcript as well. As always, I thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe here or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. See you soon.